You are listening to the Anti-Racist Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Hall, anti-racism consultant and leadership coach. If you are a mission-based entrepreneur or leader, then you are in the right place. In this podcast, we're going to be covering what anti-racist leadership actually is, how to implement that in your business, and all of the things that you need to know to finally shift out of the learning and listening cycle. I hope you're ready to take some notes. Let's hop into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Anti-Racist Leadership Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode, as I am sure you've already seen the title, which is Put a Pause on the Scholarships and Donations. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what I mean by that, how to even do that, and Really, again, as I always say, let's look at this from a non-shaming place. I understand that a lot of us do the scholarships and the donations because it feels like a really good first step, a really good first step that you can figure out easily what to do. It feels like you can't really go wrong with it. And at the same time, it's something that you feel like you, you can feel the impact as soon as you do it. A lot of the other ways of, you know, engaging in this work, you don't feel any change. You don't see any change. But when you give someone a scholarship or when you give a donation, you already know what that does. So I can understand why so many people have that as one of the main, if not only, things that they are doing with this work. But I really want to challenge us to look beyond that and see what can we also do with that same amount of effort and energy and money? What can we actually do to have a bigger impact and influence? So today we're going to go through the three places where you as a business owner have impact and influence and see how we can shift to start doing that more and maybe putting a pause on the scholarships and the donations until we figure out a better way to make use of it. So the biggest way to create change is to decide to do something different from white supremacy culture. One huge characteristic of white supremacy culture is the idea of there being only one right way. So the way that white supremacy culture is upheld is by having us believe it's the only way to move forward in society. It's the only way to achieve success is if we replicate what we've seen other um, famous or successful people do. But by choosing not to abide by its rules, you're doing two things. Number one, you're creating a space that's more inclusive and equitable. And number two, you're proving to those that are watching you that it is possible to be successful doing things in a different way. I think that's one of the things that we as business owners forget. People are watching our business as an example of what to do, of how to make it. And even if we aren't like loud about how we've done this and what we've done, the people that are interacting with our business are taking note. And here's the thing. We engage in this type of thinking all the time. When we see someone achieve what we want and we try to replicate what they've done in a really rigid way, a lot of the business coaching industry thrives off this thinking. The, I made 30K in my first month of coaching, let me show you my process. And if that process doesn't work for you or doesn't feel good, then it's like, oh, well, you didn't have enough belief or you didn't try hard enough. Same thing in the weight loss industry. Beyonce went vegan, so now everyone else is going to go vegan. 
it's just literally how our society is set up. How many articles are there in magazines interviewing people off of how they've done X, Y, and Z? How many magazines have interviewed fucking Oprah asking her what her morning routine is so that we can create a carbon copy of that so it can make us successful? It's the exact same thing. Because in our minds, we're like, okay, well, this is what that person did, and these are the results of that. Surely, that is the right way. And it never leaves us any room to pause and reflect what is right for you. Those who are interacting, engaging, or watching your business are doing the exact same thing, whether they realize it or not. So knowing that our society is set up in a way to look at people as an example of success and how to achieve it... As leaders, we have to acknowledge the power of our influence. So just by choosing to run your business with an anti-racist business model, you're creating a ripple effect and redefining what's possible and what's the norm. I'll give you an example that I've seen really, really often in the coaching industry. And y'all know I love talking about payment plans. So here we go. Charging extra for payment plans became normal because that is what that coach experienced. There are so many people in my group program. This is one of the things that we go over. We talk about payment plans and the inequitable ways that we've been taught to create payment plans in our business and how that's become the norm. And one of the questions that I ask is, where did you first see this? How did this become normal for you? Every single time, every single time my clients are like, it's because the coach I hired or the first coach I hired or all the coaches that I've hired had this as their payment structure. So I just thought that that's just how it is in this industry. That's literally how it goes, right? So they didn't question it because we just figure this is just how this works here then they replicate it in their own business. And sometimes it wasn't until working with me in that program that they finally analyzed it and questioned it. Last episode, we were talking about, you know, mission-based decision-making versus financially driven decision-making. One of the things that I mentioned is that usually when we make a decision, we made the decision. We're not analyzing it 12 times over. It's not until we have a reason to self-evaluate that we actually come and look back and say, hmm, why am I doing this? What problem am I trying to solve? What is the purpose of this? But until that person watching your business gets there, they are seeing you as the mold. They are seeing you as, okay, this is what it's supposed to be done like. It may not seem like much, right? Deciding to divest from white supremacy culture, you can't see what the effects are. But when you understand the effects of your business decisions, just like, for example, having a payment plan, we're creating access for more people to be able to engage in our product and to be able to grow from the results that our product gives. Now imagine all the other people who are watching us and how they now are making that decision in their own business to now have payment plans and to now create more access. Now, that's like, at the very least, 20 different businesses that have created equitable access just from you deciding to do it first. And that's just talking about the businesses. We're not even talking about the clients that are going to be engaging in those businesses. 
that's an exponential amount, like literally exponential. Like I don't want to pull out a calculator to tell (laughs) y'all. That is an exponential amount just because one person decided to show that number one, this is a way that we can do business. And number two, my business is not imploding from this decision. From what I've noticed, that's one of the biggest things that makes it difficult for people to even imagine a way out of white supremacy culture's norms is, well, this is the way that I've seen everyone do it. This is the way that everyone has become successful. Why would I sit here and do something completely different and hope that it works just so I could potentially help some people out that may not even want what I have to offer? But by seeing you do it and by seeing you do it successfully, that gives them the courage and the knowing to do it themselves. So now let's talk about your team. You are literally affecting their lives. You pay them, you help them gain experience, and they engage with your business for hours of their lives every single week. By having an inclusive and anti-racist container, you're affecting their mental health by creating a workspace that fosters the ability to be their authentic selves. That creates safety, which allows them to enjoy where they work and feel supported. All of these things have a direct effect on these people's lives. By having an equitable business, you're expanding the type of people that can be supported by your business. For example, just by incorporating flexibility in your business structure, now that struggling single mom who is a perfect candidate can have a job that puts her in a more stable position, provide for her kids, excel in your company, and attend to all her responsibilities. All of that because you prioritized creating an anti-racist, equitable, and inclusive environment. That money that you think of like, oh, single moms are important to me. Let me go find a cause that donates to single moms. Do that in your business. How can I support single moms in my business? What do I need to restructure and change so that I am supporting them in my business? When you think of the group of people that you want to help, Understand that those people are within your space. They're within your company. Understand that so that you can provide the workspace that can give all of those things that are important for them to have. You don't have to know that someone has a disability. You don't have to know that someone is dealing with chronic illness. You don't have to know that someone is trans. You don't have to know any of that in order to make these changes that will have a major impact on them. That's really what the main problem is, is that we see these people as these other people, this community of people. We don't see the individual in front of us. I spoke about Amazon, um, I think in episode three. There is no way that you can say that you are an advocate for a particular community while that exact community is working in your space and having a really shitty time. It's the same here. When we're thinking of the good things that we want to do for some other community, we have to ask ourselves, are we creating the environment for them to be able to thrive here? Or are we looking at this from a white-centered lens and just assuming that they're not going to be here anyway? So the third person is your client's. If your business involves client-facing work, this one is incredibly important. Their experience is mostly based off of your values and how they're reflected in your business. 
And like I just mentioned, we have to look at this from a non-white centered lens. When we understand that our audience includes people from a marginalized background, it's easier to understand the impact you have here. Are you actually solving your problem? And do they want to come back? Does your team understand the deeper layers of what is necessary to provide good service? One example that I think of is in fine dining. So I worked in the restaurant industry for an extremely long time. I think like seven or eight years. I'm a millennial, so that's a long ass time. (laughs) Um, And my co-parent worked in fine dining. And we've had conversations about like microaggressions in the workplace. And one thing that he mentioned to me that I didn't realize was a thing because I rarely eat at fine dining. I like actual good portions of food, y'all. Fine dining gets me so mad because it's like these little micro bites and you're supposed to be happy about that. No, I'm leaving here feeling hungry. It tastes good, but I'm hungry. Okay, so I rarely ever went to fine dining restaurants unless it was like a special occasion and I wanted to feel luxurious. But other than that, I'm eating at any other type of restaurant that has good food. Anyway, I say all this to say that he said that when he would be working and he would see a server um, have a customer who was black, they would always say, oh, what are we celebrating today? And since I had that exact same experience, but I only went when I was celebrating something, I didn't think anything of it. But for a random rich black woman... Could you imagine? That's so fucking annoying. It's like, I'm not celebrating anything. It's Tuesday and I want lunch and I'm hungry. I'm not here because you believe that the only way for me to eat here is if I can celebrate something as if this is a splurge for me. This is not a special occasion. I'm just hungry. This is a perfect example because the purpose of fine dining is for your customers to have an exemplary experience, right? Fine dining restaurants be bending over backwards for their clients, uh, customers to have an exemplary experience. Asking black people every single time you see them, what are you celebrating? is not an exemplary experience. It's a microaggression and I haven't even started eating yet. And until we connect those things, we're not seeing how we're actually going completely against our own company missions and values. Even when our intention is there, the intention of that question is to make someone feel special and to celebrate them properly and so that the server knows exactly what they need to do for this occasion that they believe is happening. But that comes from the stereotypes that we have about certain groups of people and how they shape the way that we're viewing things. It's not just from being a terrible, shitty person. And this is the perfect example of that. So again, if you're thinking about, I want to support the Black community with this donation, how can you support the experience that the Black community has in your restaurant? What does that look like? How do we train our staff? How do we make it so that anti-racism is a foundation of our business so that we can not only interact with customers in an appropriate way, but then respond appropriately when we are met with some allegations of this was racist, this was microaggression this was uncomfortable and we're not just pushing the blame back on people because that's another thing that definitely happens all of that makes a much bigger impact than the dollar amount that you wanted to donate here's the thing 
Donating feels good. You know the impact money can make, but I'd rather you focus those same dollars on getting this support first and making greater impact. And this doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yes, you can still give donations if you have the capacity to, but from what I've noticed from a lot of people, giving donations tends to pacify the need to actually do something. So it removes the guilt, you feel great, and you know it's better than nothing, but with anti-racism work, it's very easy to put it on the back burner, especially when it's not something that you feel like you're faced with every single day. So I say pause the donations so that this work remains top of mind and you focus on making more impactful change. Y'all have no idea the amount of people who've randomly DM'd me and emailed me asking what the best organization to donate to was because they want to make that their first step. But then a year or two later, it's literally been their only step. And if that's you, it's okay. And I'm really glad that you're here because you clearly want to learn and do better and listen. And I hope that this episode has opened your eyes to where you have deeper impact so you can finally take the next step. And that next step is learning more about how white supremacy culture norms are embedded in your business. That way you can start making these smaller changes and seeing what the impact of those changes are on your clients, on your team members, and on everyone else who's watching you as an example. And that is exactly what I help my clients do. I help them understand what the norms of white supremacy culture are, how they are embedded in their business, and also working through them at the pace of my client. It is not comfortable to change things, and it's not comfortable to be aware of the fact that you may be engaging in something that is not the best. That's okay, and that's where the coaching comes in. It gives you the space to let out your feelings and to work through your discomfort while also continuing to move forward and make change. All right, y'all, that is it for today's episode. As always, the best step that you can take is by booking a consult. The link for that is in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review. If you don't like to do that sort of thing, that's totally fine. I don't think I've ever done that either, but definitely take a screenshot and post about it on IG and tell me about your takeaways, tag me. I'd love to hear how y'all are enjoying the show and if you're learning anything from it. I hope y'all are. I think y'all are. I'm pretty sure my content is pretty good. Um, But yeah, I will talk to you next week. Bye.